most of them sold and uh, but this week we've sold just this week alone we've sold what 150 or so close to 200 this week so um so the word's getting out and people are we're getting orders from all over the country and um and i've been taking uh you know stacks of books to the post office to ship every day uh because you know in our circles of circles of word of faith movement you know that's a resource that's that's uh, really valuable you know if, if you like and love the word of god and love healing uh and love scriptures related to that then it's really a good resource and um you know and, and the lord's you know been gracious to us uh you know i came out of the womb being able to do this kind of thing right you have to of course you have to learn but um, you know, he's designed each of us from the, before the foundation of the world to do specific tasks that you're really good at. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, some I've had ministers kind of look down on, on people like me that uh, that that like doing that kind of thing, research and and putting together reference material and being able to write the computer programs to do all that, and pull all that together into databases. And you don't have to understand a thing, single word I just said, but uh, but doing all that work uh, and then. Uh, but the fruit of that is a blessing to the body of Christ. But just because I'm not like you doesn't make me better or worse, right? Uh, and sometimes, especially in our circles, that it seems as though uh, if you're educated or have a degree or have some type of, of uh, natural ability, and I say natural, I'm just saying, you know, technical ability. You know, maybe you can work computers really well or maybe you can, you know, uh, write music or, you know, something, you know, write books or whatever it is. Uh, that a lot of times uh, people like that are looked down upon because, well, it's not supernatural. Uh, but if God gave you the gift, it's all supernatural. And, you know, for me, uh, I think we need everybody, right? I think we need your gifts. I think we need my gifts. I think we need your supply. I think we need my supply. Your supply is not better or worse than mine. My supply is not better or worse than yours. We need each other. The Lord made us that way. He made us to need each other. Uh, and, um, you know, I had some folks who just, they, they didn't like engineers and they, you know, I was trained as an engineer and their attitude was engineers are just natural. You know, they're just, you know, I said, but every, uh, every nut and bolt on your car there, an engineer had to figure it out. He had to decide how, how, what the diameter of that bolt was, how long that bolt was, what the material that bolt should be made out of, what the torque you should, you should apply to that bolt to tighten it up. Somebody made a thousand million decisions and you get to drive around not knowing any of those decisions. Uh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because if there was no engineers, there would be no cars, right? And, and so, uh, and I'm not trying to elevate engineers as being more important than anybody, that's, but that's their role. And then, so, and then so your role is to turn the key and push the gas pedal. Well, that's your role, you know, and, and you like your role just fine, don't you? I mean, if you had to figure out uh, what material to make this bolt out of, you know, every day, just before you went to the grocery store, that'd be tough, right? Uh, so you, we can be glad that somebody else has figured that out. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I never look down upon somebody because they are different than me. I don't look down upon somebody because, you know, there's some people who hate academics. You know, they, they, they can't stand school. They don't like reading. They don't like studying. They don't like tests. Um, okay, fine. I mean, I don't care. I love it. You know, I love school. Uh, in fact, I love it so much, I'm going back to school to teach school, right? And so... Um, but um, uh, it, to me, that's okay. What's your gift? I don't, you know, don't tell me what you don't like doing. That's not your gift, you know, because uh, of course some people think that's their gift is say what's wrong with everybody else, right? <laughs> but that's not really a gift. Uh, but what 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 has God gifted you? Uh, I believe God's gifted every person on the earth 
for something because he needs to bring all those gifts together to advance his kingdom. Uh, and, you know, somebody has to figure out how to wire these things up and somebody has to figure out how to get sound from this area to that area and back to, back to the speakers. And, you know, people figure all those things out and, and they're, they're a blessing, amen? But then some people figure out how to open up the Bible and preach from Revelation. Some people uh, know how to yield to the Spirit of God and prophesy. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, the, uh, Paul talked a lot about that where he said, you know, the, the, I cannot say to the foot, I have no need of thee. Because some people think, well, I'm an eye. You know, and so an eye is really important and it's got to be more important than a foot. Well, just take your foot off and then go see how important your eye is at that moment. Uh, you ever stubbed your toe? What's the only thing you think about? Is your toe, right? It's the most important thing on your body is when you stub your toe, right? How, how much it hurts. Uh, and so, uh, but there's plenty of times when people in the body of Christ, uh, you know, will pick something, right? And, and we've gone through seasons where Sometimes it's race, you know, I mean, we've had some terrible uh, things that went on with race in, in the history of our country, but it's not always race because sometimes it's economic standing. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, I told you when I moved to Tennessee, the very first thing another fifth grader said to me was damn Yankee. I'm in fifth grade, right? I mean, so I'm, I, get, I get in trouble just because I, I my zip code, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's pretty tough, right? Could I do anything about my zip code? No, it's my zip code was my zip code, right? Uh, and so... Uh, but somehow I, I was terrible because of the location of my zip code. Uh, well, see, that's just wrong, right? And I, I, it's fifth grade, right? So you I mean it's not like uh, you know, I don't. I hope they didn't grow up to be that person when they were an adult, right? <laughs> and so I don't know. But still, um, it, it's uh, uh, there's no there's no place for that in the body of Christ. Amen. We should appreciate each other. And just because I'm a minister standing behind a pulpit does not make me any better or more valuable than the sound man who's at the very back of the church. Uh, and, uh, and I've had ministers kind of, you know, say unkind things about the, the job of the sound man. Uh, and one, one minister even said, I don't even know if sound man can even make it to heaven. And he was kind of joking, but at the same time, you know, you, you could tell that there was something there that maybe he's had some run-ins with sound men that he didn't like. Uh, and I'm thinking, um, you know, you know I'm right here. I can hear everything you're saying, right? Because I was the sound man at the time when he said that. Uh, and uh, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you, but I know I'm going, you know. Uh, and so somehow he thought he was more important than me because he stood at the different end of the, uh, of the sanctuary. Uh, and there's no place for that because, okay, then shoot the sound man and see how good a job he can do. You know, some pastors, now I could run it, but some pastors that's like, I mean, they see all those buttons and knobs on that thing. And what do you do? Which knob should you turn? They don't know. And they don't have to know, but, but, uh, they should appreciate that somebody knows, right? And uh, I used to get in trouble because I'd read manuals. Uh, can you believe that? You know, now what's this, what's, what's this book right here? It's a manual, right? It's a manual about how to live on this earth, right? And they're like, you, sh you should just let the Holy Ghost teach you. I mean, that's what they said. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because, I mean, that is possible, but somebody who knows how to run that box back there wrote a manual. Why can't we just read that? Why would the Lord... Uh, give you revelation knowledge and he can give you revelation knowledge beyond that book but but we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved unto god and if, and if my job is to be the sound man that i should study and i did i would read lots of books about sound equipment and running sound and why there's different kinds of wires and blah 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 and uh, but they would they would get mad at me it just makes you so mad when you have to read a manual every time you want to figure something out just let the holy ghost show you i'm just like what's wrong with you 
you know, that's what you want to say to some people, right? So what's wrong with you, right? Uh, and so uh, I like reading manuals, you know, because somebody, they, they know some things, right? You ever read a manual about a tool? It's like, wow, I didn't know that was a thing, right? You know, and so, um, in fact, I, I was trying to figure out something on my truck, and, and uh, Chris had this video. I couldn't find it. I, I finally found it, you know. This guy said, here's, the, here's how to fix this problem. And I tried to fix it without looking at the video. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And so finally I found the video, and the guy said, well, do this one thing. I mean, it was like three seconds. Now it took, you know, because the guy's really slow. It's like, oh. You ever watch the video trying to figure out how to do something, and, and they go like, well, you know, today's Thursday, and it's a beautiful day outside. You, you know, be quiet. Just go get to the deal. Get to, you know, get to the end. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, you had to go through minutes and minutes of, because it's like forever. I mean, minute miles will be for eternity. And so, but finally he said, do this one thing. Okay, I can do that. Uh, I could have kicked the tires and, you know, I could have prayed in tongues, I suppose. And could the Lord have done it? He could have done it. He, I suppose he could have. I've, I've gotten plenty of revelation of natural things. Uh, but still, they've already got the information there. Uh, you know, we have to read the Bible. The Lord's not going to just give you the revelation without reading the Bible. You know, you have to read the Bible. So uh, there's just, you know, my concern is there's a lot of foolishness in the body of Christ where somehow I'm more important than you. Somehow what God has gifted me is more important than what God has gifted you. Uh, and we need each other. We need, uh, you know, because uh, we're all different, right? Um, if it was me, we'd all look exactly the same because it'd be like, I'd do one, it's like, pretty good, just print. You know, just make them all the same, you know. The Lord, no, he cra- every single person is crafted by the Lord. The personality, their wants and desires. Uh, and I know we can get that twisted and get out of the will of God, even with the way that God had made us. But if you follow God, you're going to become the person that God designed you to be, which is very unique compared to everybody else. And that doesn't mean we can't learn from each other. That's why there's a difference, because that, then we can learn from each other. Because if we were all the same, then you have nothing to show me, because I already know everything that you know. So it's just, um, uh, there shouldn't be that kind of foolishness in the body of Christ. And yet in the history of the church, there's always been that foolishness, you know, a distinction on, based on uh, name or color or uh, economic standing or, you know, Oh, well, you know, we don't like you, you know, you're not rich or, you know, but then I've seen people be bigoted against the rich. You know, we don't like you because you're rich. You know, last time I checked, everybody has the right to love God, rich or poor. Amen. Black or white, you know, tall and short. Um, and uh, I've had people look down upon me because I was not nearly as successful as a sinner as they were. You mean you never smoked in your life? No, nope, not even a single drag. Never had a puff of smoke of anything in my life you know uh, I mean I saw it growing up and I always thought it smelled bad and looked weird and uh, and uh, you know it, it wasn't it wasn't God I just thought well I mean you're putting hot burning ash into your lungs with with poisonous gases and chemicals uh, and why do I want to do this can you explain that to me right and I understand people get addicted to it and then they have to fight the fight of faith to overcome that addiction but um, yeah, just never, never desired to do it, right? Never did drugs, never done any kind of drugs, you know. I did, uh, you know, full disclosure, when I was like in eighth grade, I did drink a half a can of beer one time. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, and I, but I missed out on a lot of sinning that a lot of people did, but that doesn't make me better than anybody else. But a lot of people made it, uh, made it out to like, well, you know, you just, you don't even know. You don't know anything, you know, you're so naive. Like, so you're telling me I've got to get a Ph.D. in sin in order to be a spiritual person. Now, isn't that the dumbest thing you've ever heard? What's it matter if you sin before you was born again? 
What's it matter if you didn't sin before you were born again? Now, we've all sinned, I know, but, but um, what's it matter? How, how, does, how does your sin prior to being born again make you more spiritual than my lack of sin? Because if you remember, Jesus said, uh, uh, he said, he who has been forgiven much loves me much. He didn't say he who has sinned much loves me much because they think that's what jesus said that whoever sinned more loves him more but no it says whoever was forgiven more and so really what he's saying is if you appreciate how valuable forgiveness was and is then you will love him a lot and i understand that regardless of whether i did all these as men would measure them big sins or not i know the value of forgiveness because any any slight infraction is uh, an abomination before the lord uh, regardless if it's whatever men would list or not, uh, you know, uh, one small infraction against the Lord is an abomination. Uh, and if you understand how valuable the holiness of God is, then you understand how valuable forgiveness is. And you'll love him because of that. Well, I, I understand how important forgiveness is, even for the smallest, as far as men would measure them, sins. I understand how valuable forgiveness is. And so, uh, so I love the Lord. But see, they want to com- they want to compete based upon sin. Well, then it's a losing battle because I will never win that battle, right? Uh, unless, you know, I go up against a baby seal or something. And maybe I could compete against a baby seal. And I've done more sinning than a baby seal has done. But, um, but, but my sin or lack of sin prior to being born again does not affect my spiritual walk with the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of ministers are always trying to, you know, one minister said, unless you eat oranges for the first year of your ministry, you, uh, God can never use you. Uh, because you know that's in the Bible, right? Somewhere, right? That that uh, that unless you eat oranges for a year, God can never use you, right? Uh, it's probably in the book of Second Hesitations, right? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, but is there any book, chapter, and verse that says you got to eat a, eat only oranges for the first year of the ministry? Then God can use you? No, it's 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 ridiculous, right? Because uh, from my perspective, I'm now of course I don't say anything, but I'm thinking. Well, dummy, you don't have to eat just oranges. You know, grapefruit costs the same amount as oranges. Eat, eat grapefruit or pears or bananas or something. You know, why are you just eating oranges? That doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, but they didn't ask my opinion. But then again, at the same time, I thought God prospers us. So if you're broke for a whole year, can only eat oranges, is that God or is that on you? Not on God, because he said he'd prosper us. And he said, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, unless you're in the first year of ministry. Is that last part in, the, in, the, in Luke 6.38? No, it's not there in the Bible, so... So uh, if you're poor and broke on you because of your first year of ministry, that's on you. That's not on the Lord. And maybe I have more faith and, and start out, uh, you know, way ahead in the ministry. Uh, that doesn't make me better or worse than you. It just makes me maybe a little smarter because I didn't have to. I didn't walk in un, uh, lack of faith for a whole year. It doesn't make me smarter than you, but, you know, uh, I can't get ahead that way. So there's just a lot of foolishness out of here in the, in the word of God or, or the church many times and it and it's almost always related to distinguishing your natural situation versus my natural situation whatever it is economics or color or race name location zip code uh, uh bank account whatever it is all of it is bigotry all of it is against the, the plan of god uh and um uh, and really you know i thank god for paul because if it wasn't for paul i would be stuck because all the other apostles were uneducated men except for paul who was the most educated of all the apostles by far. Uh, and and uh, some people are of the opinion that if you're educated, God could never use you. Well, poor old Paul, you know, God never really did use him at all for anything, did he? No, but God did use him for a lot of things, didn't he? And so, 
So did God use uneducated men? He did. Did God use educated men? He did. So that tells you that education is neither here nor there. It's helpful. It's useful. But it's just a tool, just like learning how to, you know, uh, swing an axe or learning how to paint a wall. Those are just tools, right, that we learn in life. Uh, and so anything else is ungodly. Any other dis- distinction is ungodly. We're all going to heaven. We're all, we all love the Lord Jesus. So just be careful about ever separating yourself or, or um, positioning yourself based upon other people's uh, situation, that you're better than them or worse than them. And, you know, I had this one, one minister years ago. Uh, you know, I just, I just felt, a, felt a desire to be friends with this particular minister. I thought, you know, I thought maybe we could help each other out and learn, uh, uh, you know, just learn some things from each other and, because I can learn something from anybody, right? Uh, and, um, but every time I tried to have any kind of relationship with this, with this pastor, just another pastor, right, just a peer, it was always like he had to make sure that, that uh, he positioned himself over me, right? Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll see if I can't find some time. You know, uh, 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 I'll, I'll talk to my secretary and see, see if I can't find some time to meet with you. Uh, I mean, okay. I mean, that sounds awful formal, you know. But it was always that way. It was always, you know, well, well you know, brother, you know. Uh, uh, and it, it was always kind of jockeying for position. Well, I'm not competing with anybody. I've refused to compete with anybody. But after a while, I just got, you know, kind of wearying about trying to be friends with him because it was always, you know, we couldn't just be peers and go out to lunch. It always had to be, you know, well, you know, um, uh, uh, let, me, let me see if I can find some time and I'll, I'll get back with you. Uh, and and uh, like he was really busy, you know, I mean, <laughs> but anyway, so, so there's just a lot of stuff like that I see over the years and, and it's unnecessary I understand positions and, and uh, the, role, the role of authority in the church and how the authority is wrapped up in the position and not in, in the individual person as far as the, the structure of the body of Christ goes. Um, uh, and so it is important to know those things. But uh, even in the role as a pastor, that does not make me better than anyone else in the church. And I've seen a lot of pastors that kind of feel like they're, you know, they don't want to be touched by the riffraff. You know, we don't want to be touched by, it, you know. I'm not, you're not riffraff, obviously, but they kind of think that way, you know, that, oh, you're the unclean masses, you know, and, you know, I don't want to be, because I've had ministers say that you cannot be friends with other people in the church. As a pastor, that I cannot be your friend. Uh, now, look, friends are friends, right? Friends are based upon mutual uh, uh, things that we enjoy and conversations, and, you know, so we can be a, a certain level of friends with, with anybody, obviously, but you know, some people you just, you know, you just, you just hook up with, right? It's not anything in particular. It's not that you're, but from their perspective, they were saying you can't be friends because if you're friends, then they won't respect you as the pastor. Uh, and, well, number one, that shows a, a, a disrespect for you because don't you have the ability to be mature enough to be a friend with somebody? You know, I was friends with my pastor and we got along great, but I always knew he was my pastor, you know. Uh, could people abuse that? Well, sure they could, but they could abuse your position if, even if they're not your friend because how many people, even though they're not my friend, will disrespect me as the pastor? Plenty of people do. They're not my friends, but they still disrespect, disrespect me. And they say, when they, well, what will happen is they'll, they'll, you know, you'll, they'll lose you as friends and they'll leave the church. And, you know, and again, uh, I don't see any book, chapter, verse that says, you know, you can't be friends with, wasn't Jesus close friends with the apostles? I mean, didn't they lay, lay their head on the, the chest of Jesus at the meal? I mean, I'd be really uncomfortable with if anybody doing that to me other than my wife, right? I mean, even I got best friends, you know, and, I, I, no, you're not doing that. You know, sorry. You know, we're not we're not that close, right? 
And we will never be that close, more than likely, so don't try it. Um, but see, you know, I, I see the example of Jesus, and it seemed like he was friends. In fact, I see, he said, I'll call you friends. Didn't he say that? I'll call you friends. Uh, now, I understand from a natural perspective, has that ever happened? Well, it's never really happened to me. I mean, we've had people that we were close to that leave the church, but nothing like, you know, that were really like my best friends. Um, and, well, then I'll just have to get another friend. I mean, if you leave me, I'll just have to get another friend. That's the way I see it. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, cry and, uh, you know, you don't want to talk to me anymore. Well, that's, I mean, I've had people that I was very close to. I mean, just best of friends, you know. Uh, and when we left the church in Cookville, it was like the mafia. We were dead to them. They wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't, you know, go to lunch with me. And all we did was leave the church. We didn't leave it badly. We didn't, you know, cuss the pastor on the way out or anything like that. We didn't talk about anybody. We just... You know, so it's time to go, and we left, and then we were cut off. I mean, I mean, everybody, right? We were cut off from people that we'd known for decades. Wouldn't even talk to us. Uh, and, and so, what do you do? You still you follow the will of God, Amen. Uh, and so, um, so you know, there's just I hear a lot of things that people say, but for me, I, I always go back to the Word of God. Does the Word of God uh, have any room in that or not? You know, is there example? So, you know, Jesus was very close friends. I, you know, the, from what it, obviously the way it's written, he was very close friends with these people. So to say that you shouldn't be friends violates the principle that we see in the word of God that Jesus was. Now, you don't have to have friends, but to make a rule that you shouldn't have friends would, I think, would violate the principles in the word of God. Uh, and so um, it's just, I want to say with the word of God, it's safe uh, and uh, there's flexibility and if you want to be my friend, you be my friend, you know, no problem. Uh, you, you want to stop being my friend? Well, fine, you know, there's other people out there, right? I mean, because I, I have never left anybody as far as I know, my friends. Uh, and so, but, um, uh, but I'm going to keep on keeping on, amen? Uh, and so uh, we are talking about prayer, right? And we were talking about the prayer of speaking in tongues. So let's continue uh, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, and I just wanted to repeat just real quick, uh, at the beginning of the chapter, it says in verse 3, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Um, and it says in verse 5, that uh, for greater is he that prophesieth and he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret. So he said that if you do interpret, or if the tongue that you're speaking is interpreted, then that's the same as prophesying. So if tongues plus interpretation of tongues is the same as prophesying, the tongues plus interpretation of tongues should be done for the purpose of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Uh, and so, uh, so that tells you then uh, that the public use of speaking in the tongues, just like the public use of prophesying, should either edify the church, right, build them up, strengthen them, encourage them. Uh, ex ex exhortation, which is, to, which is to encourage them to press on, you know, to continue on, to move, to move forward with the Lord. And comfort, right, to, well, comfort is comfort, right, to... Uh, to aid people in difficult times. Uh, and so that's the general role of prophesying. Uh, uh, and so if you go beyond that and beat people up with your prophesying, say you're no count, worthless, sorry individuals, you know, you, you, I'm tired of you. Thus saith the Lord, you know. <laughs> like, well, I don't know the Lord would say that because that would violate his principles in the word of God, right? That uh, prophesying is done for the purpose of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Uh, now, there may be a word of knowledge or word of wisdom that the Lord would say to you 
you know, the reason why you're suffering through this particular thing is because you've done these things, right? That's a different, that's not prophesying. That would really be uh, primarily the word of knowledge and then uh, mixed in with the, word of, with, with the word of wisdom after that. So general prophesying uh, is the speaking forth by sudden inspiration of the Lord, right? So the Lord gives you an unction to speak and you speak the words of the Lord. Uh, tongues plus interpretation of tongues is exactly the same if you do both of them, right? Uh, and so we, we got down to, uh, to verse 22. It says, wherefore tongues are a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. So, uh, you know, the purpose of, of, a, of the speaking in tongues to the unbeliever is that it's a sign that God is a supernatural God. Uh, and so it's a sign to them. It's not a sign to me because I already know God's a supernatural God. Uh, and so uh, he said, uh, but prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So uh, we which believe need to need to um, hear the sudden inspiration of the Lord. Uh, and then he, he continues on in verse 23. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or, or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? So so Paul is starting in, in verse 23, really to, to the most of the rest of the chapter. He's starting to address how the Corinthian church was operating. And so the Corinthian church, he said earlier in the book that you come behind in no good gift. So all of the gifts of the spirit, the nine gifts that we talked about uh, in First Corinthians chapter 12, uh, were in operation, apparently, at the church of Corinth. Uh, but the problem is uh, they were out of control. They were out of balance, and they would just have a whole service where everybody's speaking tongues. Well, if we had a whole service where everybody spoke with tongues, uh, would that help you? Now, now, here's the thing. Uh, Paul is trying to address this church that's way out of balance, right? So some of the things that he talks about, people have turned into laws. But there's no laws intended there. The intention is, if you go to the, to the very last uh, verse of this chapter, it says, let all things be done decently and in order. So what Paul is trying to do is get order back in the church. So that doesn't mean that you get so much order that you order the spirit of God right out of the church because that's what some people do is they get so much order. There's no room for the Lord for the Lord himself. Right. To move in the church. So uh, that being said, can you have a service where the whole service is just kind of wild and people are speaking in tongues and people are prophesying? I mean, you you could. But the issue is, if that's all you do right for weeks on end and months on end and, and there's no teaching or instruction or no worship or anything, it's just people coming in, speaking in tongues for an hour and then leaving. Is that going to help the church long term? No, because you're not getting any teaching and instruction. So you've got to be careful in taking 1 Corinthians 13 or 14 and turning into a legalistic law because there's no legalism here. It's the whole purpose of 14, especially the last half of the chapter, is order, bringing things into order. Uh, and so be careful about because we're, we, we have a tendency as, as Christians to become legalistic. Well, it has to be done this way. You know, we can't speak in tongues because that's wrong. But then he says, let it be done for edifying. So you can speak in other tongues publicly as long as he's edifying. But then if it's just out of control where nobody's ever in charge and nobody's you know, getting taught, then that's an issue, right? And so, again, we don't want to make any laws to constrict the spirit of God moving. But if things are just out of balance, you know, I know like uh, for many years, you know, when we were with my pastor, we had some great moves of God, you know. Praise worship team starts singing and playing. Things go wild. You know, people start running around the church, you know. And, and there was two, three songs, probably more than that, that I knew if I could just press that song in the, back in the sound booth. 
start her up. Things go wild, right? And sometimes you'd have the, I'd get the unction, play the song, you know. I hit play and things go wild. You know, people running around the church, swinging them the chandeliers, you know, doing all kinds of wild things. And, uh, uh, but then after he died, I mean, not after he died, but actually, uh, see, he, he stopped ministering in January of the year that he died. Uh, and so he, uh, he was too ill to come and minister. So he didn't come to church really uh, much at all until, until he passed away uh, several months later. Uh, and, and so because we were so used to being wild, it got to a point where we were, we were faking it, that we had to be wild. And we couldn't just worship the Lord and go on. You know, we had to run around the church. We had to dance in the Holy Ghost. And after a while, it became show. It became, it became carnal. It became uh, uh, just theater. It wasn't the Spirit of God. It was just theater. It was, it was us thinking, well, unless we have a wild service, unless we have wild praise and worship, we have not been to church. And as soon as you get to the point, you are out of order because you're, you're not in the order of the Holy Ghost. You're in the order of your own flesh. You're thinking this is what church is. It has to be done this way. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and that doesn't mean that you don't have a general uh, uh, flow of the ministry, right? I mean, we sing songs first and, uh, and you know, we rarely deviate from that. Uh, we could deviate from that. We don't have any, any rule that we don't deviate, deviate from that. Uh, if the Lord said play a song, well, we play a song, right? Uh, and so, uh, but if you start having to fake it, if you start having to demand that somebody uh, dance in the Holy Ghost or somebody uh, demand that somebody speak with tongues, demand that somebody prophesies, then you're demanding the Spirit of God to do what you want to do and you're out of order. And that's really where we'd gotten to that point after he was no longer able to minister and was at home uh, not well until he passed. Uh, and, and we left not long after that, so I don't know if it, hopefully they recovered themselves and, and, and aren't doing that foolishness anymore. But it was foolish, and it just grieved my heart because, oh, here we go, you know, uh, here we go. You know, it just, you, you, just, you just know it was going to happen, right? And it just was so fake, right? Because there's always people that you can always depend upon to just be in the flesh, right? Hey, you, go run around. They run around the church, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, they, anybody can run in the flesh, right? Uh, and so it got to be, you know, to me, it got to be distasteful that we were, we were having to fake that. Uh, so, again, as you read these verses, don't turn these into a law. What you want to do is make sure that, you know, there's balance in everything you do. And balance allows for there to be just some wild services. But the pendulum's going to swing back to just some regular services, right? Uh, and, but if you, never, if you never prophesy, if you never lay hands on the sick, if you never, you know, speak with other tongues... Then, then you're so ordered that even the Spirit of God can't move, right? So, so there's a balance, isn't there? So, uh, because we'll see as we get along, you know, there's some great things that Paul added in here that really makes the legalistic people upset because, you know, he, he didn't give them enough legalism. Uh, he said, but uh, in verse 23, uh, if they all speak in tongues, you know, will they not say they're mad? But he said, but if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one that is unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. So, you know, of course, prophesying is always good because it's speaking by the sudden inspiration of God. So it should always be good because it's always to edifying the people, right? Edification, ex exhortation, and comfort. He said in verse 25, Thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So basically he said you can prophesy all the time and, it, and, it's, and it's helpful, right? And really, uh, ministers that are true ministers of the Lord what they will find is, as they learn to yield to the Spirit of God, and I think this goes for 
charismatic and Pentecostal speakers and preach, preachers, but I think it also goes for non or denominational preachers. Anybody who's really called of God, they will find how to flow with the Spirit of God. Uh, and it's easier if you, if you speak with other tongues because you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. But if you're called, you're called, whether you speak with other tongues or not. Now, you should speak with other tongues, but you, know, you may decide because you don't know enough that it's not for you, even though that's not really biblical. But uh, there are plenty of people who believe that speaking in tongues is not for them. But uh, if you just take that out for just a minute, they will find the flow of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and they will speak, uh, for the most part, by sudden inspiration and speak words of value to people. Uh, but have you ever flipped on a TV channel or a radio station and go, there is no anointing to this guy at all? Uh, I mean, there's not a drop of anointing for a thousand miles around this fellow right here. Uh, well, well, why not? Because that person it has not learned... I don't know if they're called or not because it's not my job to judge them, but that person has not learned how to speak by sudden inspiration. And because he does, he's not speaking by sudden inspiration, he's, he's not helping the people. Because by speaking by sudden inspiration, you're helping the people because the Spirit of God is giving you the words that are, that are going to help people, right? Just like at, at the funeral, you know, uh, Miss Doris said that, but also, you know, the, some of the family members told me that the things that were said were the perfect things that they needed to hear in that moment. Well, the reason why they were the perfect things in that moment to hear is because the Spirit of God gave me the words to speak, right? Now, he didn't give me every single word. It was, you know, he kind of gave me the starting point, and then I started with that and kind of flowed with the rest. In fact, I was telling Chris, you know, I was looking at my notes, and there was things I didn't say that were in my notes, you know, and there were things that I said that weren't in my notes. And why is that? Well, because... You know, to me, notes are a starting point, right? It's, it's here's the seed that the, word, that the Spirit of God gave to you. Here's my studying around that seed. But then in the moment, the Lord will be like, well, you've got to say this. You've got to say that. Uh, and, you know, what we said for the first half of the service today, um, that uh, uh, much of it was, was by sudden inspiration. In fact, really all of it was because there, I didn't have nothing we said at the first half of the service was, in my notes, obviously, it was just things that were on my heart that I believed that were necessary to be said. Uh, and so speaking by sudden inspiration, which is prophecy, should be the normal way that all ministers operate. Now, that doesn't mean that all ministers are the same because some ministers are, you know, spitting cotton ministers, right? They're spitting cotton. You know, you got to have an umbrella, you know, put a face shield on. I mean, just spitting everywhere, right? Uh, and just preaching and hollering and red face, you know, and running up and down. They're sweating like crazy. You ever seen ministers, they have to have a towel with them, you know, yeah. like T.D. Jakes. I mean, he probably, it's amazing he's not, doesn't weigh to like 80 pounds. I mean, he probably sweats three pounds every time he ministers, right? But, you know, I probably would sweat that much cumulative in my whole life, like ever, right? Combined, my whole life. Uh, but see, that's him. Now, does that make him worse than me or better than me? No, it makes him him. It makes me me, Amen. I'm, you know, every now and then I'll preach. You've heard me preach every now and then. I'll just get, you know, get on a roll and just, you know, there'll be something there. And if it's there, I'll just go with the flow, right? But most of the time, it's just line upon line, and, you know, and, and, um, and so, uh, and that, but both of them are prophesying. Both of them are yielding to the Spirit of God in the way that the Lord wants to use them. And he will generally use people in a consistent way over time. You know, Brother Hagin I can't tell you how many people told me, brother, hey, he's boring, you know, he's got that Texas draw, you know, and, um, and um, uh, you know, I don't even like listening to him. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, personally, man, I, I mean, to me, he's gold, right? I mean, there's so much revelation, you know, who cares if he's got a Texas draw? I mean, what, what in the world, right? What's, what's it got to do with anything, right? 
Uh, and um, Charles Capps sounds very similar to, to Brother Hagen. Uh, but see, as long as you're prophesying, then the content of what you're saying is valuable to the people receiving it. Amen. Uh, and that's really uh, a, a true minister will generally speak by, by prophecy. Uh, and, and even though they got notes, you know, I've had people come and say, well, you know, so-and-so, they don't use any notes. They just memorize everything. So, I mean, that's memorization is in what realm? The soul, right? So just because their soul is different than my soul, because my, I have a soul, they have a soul, right? But just because their mind is tuned to memorization and my mind is tuned to notes, does that make them better than me or worse than me? No, because what matters is revelation, right? What matters is prophesying. And I was listening to them, it's like, I mean, you know, you don't know who I'm talking about, but I'm thinking, why, why are they bragging this guy? I mean, what he had to say wasn't all that impressive, you know? And, and yeah, he didn't use notes, but half the time he'd quote the verse wrong. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, and not that you've got to get every single word exactly right, but I mean, it ought to be close, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, Moses built the ark and, and Noah part of the Red Sea. I mean, some things ought to be right, you know? And, uh, and so, um, so again, I'm not trying, I wasn't trying to compare myself. They were trying to compare me with them. Uh, and it's funny because I had, there's one minister that uh, uh, one person said, man, you, you're exactly like them. You teach just like them. You sound, well, we love it. It's awesome, you know? And then some, somebody in the same service heard them say that and they go, there's no way. He's, that, that minister's the worst. You know, he, you know, Pastor Chip's not anything like him at all. And it's like, would you grow up, right? And it wasn't because I was like that minister, not because that minister. They didn't like that minister, so therefore I could never be like that person, right? Well, they just got the thorn in their craw and didn't like that minister for whatever reason. You know, well, I don't like his teaching. And I never ever followed him enough to, to know, that, you know, uh, uh, what they didn't like in particular. And just know this. Let me tell you this. If you come into this church and start bashing other ministers... You know what I'm thinking? Well, when are you going to start bashing me? Because some of these people, nobody's good enough for them. And I'm thinking, what have you given up for the Lord? Right? What have you paid? What price have you paid to, to follow the Lord? You've sit in a comfortable chair and let somebody sweat hours in preparation to come and feed you, and you reject it as it's the beans aren't warm enough, right? Uh, I mean, uh, how, how, how uh, prideful can you possibly be, right? And yeah, that's a little preaching right there, right? Just, just a little bit, right? Just a little getting a little stump on there but you know when people bash ministers well they're just all about themselves you know my thoughts are what are you saying about me when you leave this building because you know you uh, and i and, and i guarantee you every single one of those people and it's not often i meet people that are that way because uh, i know everybody's got different ministers like and dislike you know or you know and you shouldn't really dislike anybody but just some ministers you prefer that just because for me there's certain ministers that that help me the most other ministers, you know, I could take it or leave it. it. It doesn't really help me. I'm not saying they're bad, but, but that's who the Lord's not called me to follow that particular person. Uh, but if you're bashing another minister, number one, my Bible says, who art thou that judges another man's servant? Why are you standing in judge over their life? What have you given up for the Lord? Uh, and number two, if you're doing that to them, you're going to do that to me. So that t- tells me, keep an eye on this person. Just be wary of this person because they will, they will stab you in the back as soon as they can. They're un, untrustworthy and unfaithful people. Now, all of you, don't, none of you do that, right? Now, I've, been, I've heard just about everybody say, well, I don't like this minister, that minister. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, you know, when they start judging them. Well, every, everything about the ministry is all about them. It's always about them. You know, I can't stand them. You know, always, you know. 
wow. I mean, harsh words, you know what I'm saying? Just harsh words. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, what have you done for the Lord? What have you given up for the Lord? You know, I told you the time that I was working with a friend of mine. And, and uh, anybody remember the minister Ernest Angley? I think that was his name, right? Yeah, right. Well, he was boisterous, right? He'd be that, be healed, right? Remember that? But he'd say it in such a way that, you know, people make fun of him. And he's kind of short and round, you know, and, uh, and, uh, but just really, you know, just over the top, right? Just his hair over the top, his clothes over the top. Everything was over the top, right? Just big, you know. And the way he said everything is over the top. Well, I don't care. Who cares, right? And someone said, what do you think about him? Because they were thinking, you know, he's like the worst example that they could find about that. Because they wanted to lump every Pentecostal person with that particular minister, right? With Ernest Ainsley. And now, I got nothing against Ernest. You know, when I get to heaven, I look forward to meeting him because I don't know anything about him other than I saw a couple of things like, wow, he's pretty wild. Uh, <laughs> but I leave it at that, right? Now, see, I'm not going to fix my hair like that. And I don't want to fix my hair that way. What's, well, well, is that his hair wrong? His hair is neither right nor wrong. It's his hair. None of my business, right? Well, I don't like the way he wears his hair. Wow, you have got too much time on your hand to be worrying about somebody else's hair. Uh, I mean, uh, what's the minister uh, out of uh, Florida, Orlando, Florida? Ben, uh, Brother Benny Hen, remember when he had wild hair? He cut it eventually, you know, but he used to have wild hair. The, the, the swoop, right? Just swoop it all over there, you know? Uh, and I mean, if it's short, just cut it short, you know, just let her loose, right? Uh, uh, and like my pastor once said, he said, uh, uh, he, he's, he said, wow, your hair's turning gray. And I said, well, I'd rather have it turn gray than turn loose because he didn't have any hair left, right? Uh, and so, but this, this fellow said, what about Ernest Angley? Because he wanted me to bash him, right? So, well, you know, he's just wrong. You know, he, the way he does things is wrong. And, and I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, as soon as I get as many people born again as he has, I'll have something to say. Because you know he got tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people born again, which are tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands more than I have so far. Uh, and so, uh, when, when I get to that level, of course, if I got to that level, I'm still not going to say anything against him, right? But, but the whole point was, why are you bashing this fellow? He's done a whole lot more good for the body of Christ than you have, sitting in your comfortable chair, pushing a pencil uh, on calculators all day long. And, um, and that's not wrong. I mean, if that's what you're called to do, sit in a comfortable chair and push a pencil and work on a calculator all day, praise God. Do your part in the body of Christ, right? Uh, and so I'm not going to bash Ernest Langer or, or, or Brother Benny because they got wild hair and wear them cream-colored suits, you know, and I mean, if I wore a cream-colored suit, I'd look invisible, because I'm, my face and my complexion is already cream-colored, you know, like, like a floating head, you wouldn't even see me, I just, you know, would be invisible, uh, and so, and I'm not opposed, I used to have like a linen jacket, remember that linen jacket I wore when we got married, uh, and so, maybe I'll come up with a, you know, wild suit one of these days, right, uh, and so, uh, so, but prophesying Speaking by sudden inspiration is the most valuable tool, really, I think, because Paul said, you know, desire to prophesy. I think it's the most valuable tool that a minister can learn because you want to speak as the Spirit of God instructs you. Because a lot of these things, like all these stories I'm telling you, none of these are my notes, right? They're just things that, that rise up in my heart. Okay, that would be an appropriate story to tell and a valuable story to tell. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes I'll put notes, say, you know, tell this story, whatever, you know, if, if the Lord, when I'm studying, if the Lord prompts me about that, and I'll put it in my notes, tell that story. But, you know, a lot of it's just simple prophecy and, and speaking by sudden inspiration. Uh, and so then he continues on. Uh, uh, so he said in verse 25. Now, I'll tell you one more thing before we get to verse 26, that when you're prophesying, the secrets of the heart are made manifest. So falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. I can't tell you how many times that I've said things in a, in a service and people have come up to me and said, how'd you know I was doing that very thing? 
you know, just on the way to church, I was arguing my wife. And I got up and said, you know, you ought to argue with your wife. You know, you ought to treat her with respect. You know, how'd you know that I was doing that? You know, you've got, a, you've got cameras in my house, don't you? Right? Uh, no, obviously I don't have cameras in your house. But what do I have? I have the Holy Ghost, right? And so there are many times that... With, and see, my preference, I like it when the Spirit of God does it this way. I like it when He gives me something to say without me knowing that it's for that guy right there. Because that guy's a rotten guy, right? And I'm going to say the very thing that he's doing. See, I don't, I don't like knowing that it's for that guy. Because that way I can say it with a pure heart and just say, well, you know. And there's been plenty of times, you know. There have been times when I know, okay, this was said and it was for that person right there, right? Uh, but there have been plenty of times when people come up to me and say, how'd you know I was doing that? How'd you know the very, very thing that you were talking about? You know how I do my pre-sermon sermon on Sunday mornings? And a lot of times the very thing that, that they were doing was being covered there. Uh, and, and so, see, that's the value of prophecy, right? I can say it with a pure heart. And see, if I... If I if I'm thinking, well, that person, you know, I can't stand a person at church. When they get to church, I'm going to beat them up. And so, and so I'll get up in the pulpit and go, oh, yeah, they're here. Oh, yeah. And, and whatever it is, you know, all you people who wear flip-flops, you know, all you sinners, what's wrong with you? All you women wear open-toed shoes. You know, you know, you, know, you can die and go to hell for anybody wearing open Everybody, all you bunch of sinners, right? Bunch of sin. Look at you all, sinners. See, like my wife, look how spiritual she is. She's got a closed-toed shoe right there, right? She is close to God. All you all the sinners, you know, probably not going to make it. But see, if I, had, if I had that thorn in my craw and I just, just hated, you know, open-toed shoes, you know, and just waited for it, you know, and just, and just let you have it, see, that's, that's really ungodly because that's, that's beating you up with the Word of God, beating you up with the Spirit of God. But see, if, I, if, if you know, uh, all of you wore, you know, floor-length skirts and I couldn't see your toes and I said, you know, the Lord showed me the other day about, you know, two shoes, you know, I'll not wear those. See, I could say that with a pure heart. Now, the Lord's never showed me that about open-toed shoes because it's a ridiculous, right? Uh, he doesn't care, you know, as long as your toes are clean, right? Uh, you know, whatever. I mean, we're going to leave all the rest of that alone, right? Uh, and so, what's that? That's why they have foot washing, yeah. You know, we've never done that. You know, we probably never will do that. And, and <laughs> I've been to them. I'm thinking, this makes me really uncomfortable, you know? Because I, I know exactly how uncomfortable Peter felt. It's like, no, you're not doing that to me. You know, it's, it's, it ain't Jesus. You ain't doing it. still ain't doing it to me. Now, if Jesus, I'd let Jesus do it, you know, but the rest of you, it's too, it's too bad, you know? So, uh, but... And so, uh, so, see, I can say a lot of things like that with a pure heart because I'm not beating anybody up because if, if, pro- if it's the prophesying of that, prophesying of that, and I'm saying, and you have to judge whether you, you know, a lot of people think, you knew that, you knew I was doing that. I didn't know you was doing that, you know. And a lot of times, see, if I, if I get close to a topic and I know, I know that person doing that, a lot of times I'll, I'll steer away from that because it would be hard knowing that they're doing that and for me to still say that, it would be hard to, for me personally to, to do. Now, if the Spirit of God just said, you say it anyway, I'd still have to say it. But, but I don't like doing that. I don't like something I know that you're dealing with and cover that particular topic in church, right? Uh, and, and, you know, I think I've told you a story when we first started the church that, um, you know, it's within the first few weeks of church. We had some visitors coming and, and they told us we've been praying for a church like this for five years, praying for a church just like this for five years. Praise God, you know, well, then you found it. It's here, right? Uh, and, and one day, you know, of course, you know how I stand right here, right? And I face Chris when she sings. And so afterwards, I get up and, and speak. Uh, and so first thing I got up and said, you know, after praise and worship, I said, you know, I've run sound for many years. I've run sound for nearly 20 years for my pastor. And I said, I can tell you all there is no about sound. I mean, so much, you know, if you're having a hard time sleeping, just let me know. I'll talk to you until you sleep, right? 
I'll talk to you about megahertz and gigahertz and, you know, and, and frequencies and, you know, amplitude. And I mean, you know, what in the world, right? You're all about to sleep already, right? Uh, and so, I mean, I can tell you all day long about sound stuff, right? And, and um, I can tell you about balance and unbalance, you know, and all this stuff, right? Uh, and so uh, I said, but, you know, if I walked into a church, and I said, the speakers were falling off the wall and the feedback was exploding all the speakers and, you know, and, and nobody could be heard or anything. I said, I wouldn't say a word to anybody. Even though I could fix everything, I wouldn't say a word to anybody. None of my business. If they come up and ask me, I'd be glad to help them, but it's, it's not my business, right? Well, I didn't know, but during praise and worship, that fellow, that visitor was back in the sound booth pushing Jared aside and didn't ask. He started changing things on the soundboard without my permission or Jared's permission. Just rude, isn't that rude? Just get out of the way, you know, and start fixing things. Uh, and now, now, see, did I do that because I knew he did that? I, well, obviously, I didn't know because I'm not even facing him, right? And so, so who told me to say that? Well, the Spirit of God did, right? The, see, it wasn't like he parted right, the sky and I saw say these words, you know. It was just an unction in my heart to say the, that thing, right? About, you know, if I, if I walked into a church that the sound system was exploding, I wouldn't say anything, right? Not a bit of business, because maybe they like it the right way. I mean, some people like terrible mix. Right? You, you, I mean, I got in my boat the other day. It's like, who's messed up with the stereo? I didn't fix this thing. Just, you know, don't you know, run the sound, fix this, you know. My boat, though, I can fix it how I want to, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, so now here's the thing. If I'm saying it by sudden inspiration, if I'm saying it by prophecy, saying it by the Holy Ghost, then the reaction of the receiving party should be, he said that by the Holy Ghost. Then that, if that's the Holy Ghost, then I need to repent. Because he just called, he just, just like he said right there, that, that uh, they will know the secrets of his heart will be made manifest. And see, the Lord gave me the secret of that fellow's heart without me knowing his heart, right? By prophecy, I knew the secrets. I knew what he was doing without knowing what he was doing. Uh, and so now, see, I didn't know. I didn't know he was doing that. That was just the unction of the Lord. Now, after the service, somebody came up to me and said, did you know he was doing that? Well, I know. Well, he was doing that. <laughs> okay, well, he shouldn't do that, right? Well, you know, after I said that, he never came back to church. Never. Now, First of all, what he should have done is come up and beg for forgiveness. Pastor, I was way out of line. I was so out of line. I'm embarrassed to even say I was out of line. I was so far out of line. There wasn't even a line. Uh, and, and I ask you to forgive me. And then he should have said, if you would like some assistance with the sound, I would be glad to assist. I know a little bit about sound. No problem. If you don't, I'd be glad if you do. Now, that's what a mature Christian would do. Because first of all, they would recognize the spirit of God. Okay, he said that by the spirit of God. Uh, not by beating me up. I mean, you see any mirrors up here, right? There's no mirrors up here, so I didn't know, right, what he was doing. Uh, and, and so he should have recognized the Holy Ghost. He should have recognized the day of his visitation because you reckon the Lord's been trying to deal with him about being so prideful and thinking he knows everything? Sure. You know what the Lord's probably still dealing with him right now about being prideful and, and thinking he knows everything because he missed a supernatural opportunity to, to yield to the Spirit of God and repent. He missed it. And he, when, he, when he gets to heaven, I can guarantee you the Spirit of God would say, or the, the Lord Jesus would say, come here. And, he, and he's going to say, Pastor Chip, come here. Because, you know, I was involved with it, right? Now, you know, this is my scenario, right? This is, this is the first book of Chip. But, but um, uh, you know, there, there does, the Bible does talk about in Hebrews 13 that I, as a minister, have to give account for you all. And, and, and so he's going to say, hey, uh, I called him to your church. 
did you ever do anything to intentionally harm him? Well, no, sir. I only met, met him for like a couple weeks, right? Uh, how did you know to say what you said? Well, Lord, you told me to say that. I didn't know he was doing that. Did you know he was doing that? Well, no, Lord, I just told you I didn't know he was doing that. Uh, and then, okay, why'd you leave? Because he said that. Didn't he just tell you that I told him to say that? Well, yeah. So why'd you leave? Well, because, you know, he was wrong. Well, if he was wrong, I was wrong. Would you like to say that again, right? Uh, so it's going to be really uncomfortable. Now, I'm not upset at this fella because I tried to call him. I invited him to go get a cup of coffee. Who, who turns out a free cup of coffee, right? Uh, he said no. He wouldn't even answer me. Uh, why? Because he got his feelings hurt, because he got busted. By the Holy Ghost, by the creator of the universe, he got busted and was mad about it. Now, so how are you going to grow? You reckon the Lord's ever going to uh, bust you for something you've done? Catch you something you've done? Supernaturally? What's your response going to be? Oh, great man of faith, right? Because he said he'd been praying for church just like that for five years. A Holy Ghost church just as long as there's no Holy Ghost. I mean, that's what Because a lot of people want the Holy Ghost until he shows up. Because if he shows up, he's going to bless you and, and give you a revelation. And on occasion, he will correct you. On occasion, he'll say, what you're doing is wrong. Now, he's kind and generous, right? But he is a stickler for doing his will, right? He's a stickler for, you've got to do what I've asked you to do, right? And I guarantee you, that fellow right there, I'm not pointing anybody in particular, that fellow, but he was sitting kind of right there, you know, Mr. Zeller. It's not guilt by association, though, Mr. Zeller, you know, so you're good, right? Uh, but, but he was sitting back there, uh, and, uh, and he, may, he may never get another opportunity to repent. Now, he might, because the Lord's merciful, but sometimes... You know, the Lord's been dealing with you for so long and he, and he goes way out of his way to bless you and help you and you just almost spit in his face. And Lord, I don't want to hear it. And then he'd be like, okay. Then if you don't want to hear it, then I will never speak to you about that again. And you will suffer the lack of blessing in that area of your life because you refuse to repent in that. And so this, this verse is really important that, that uh, uh, the Spirit of God has the ability to speak the secrets of men's hearts and make them manifest. And usually he will do it in a way that, that uh, still preserves, uh, you know, s some dignity on your part. Because he's not trying to make you look bad. He's not trying to hurt your feelings. He's not trying to harm you. He's trying to help you. Uh, but to help you, sometimes you've got to say, hey, what you're doing right there is wrong. Uh, and, and i got no problem. The Lord says, hey, uh, I mean, were you all in, in search, you know, when the, when the Lord spoke to me to, about our friend over here? And, and, the, and the Lord said, I need, you know, I need to rebuke you about something. Because uh, they said, you know, I, I was believing God, but it didn't work. You remember they, when they said that? I was believing God and it didn't work. And the Lord spoke to me. And I said, I need to rebuke you. Because it did work. And, and it just didn't work the way, that, the way you wanted to measure how it worked. But it still worked. You're alive and well. It still worked. So adjust your testimony to line up with what the Lord did on your behalf. Because they were, they were wanting it to be done this way. And it wasn't done that way, but it was still done. Right. And so, and so sometimes we we think if it's not done the way we think, then it wasn't God. But God moves according to our level of faith. Amen. Uh, and so be careful uh, in how you say things. Right. Uh, now, does the Lord tell me to rebuke everybody that says things out of order? Why? Well, no. I mean, we all we do is be picking on people, telling them, hey, you know, that's not right. But if the Lord says to do that, you know, now, see, that was very public because the first comment was public. Right. But if they said that in private, I wouldn't stand up and, and rebuke them publicly. I'd, in private, I would, I would uh, deal with it if the Lord told me to deal with it. If the Lord didn't tell me to deal with it, I'd leave it alone. Not my, not, I'm not the, the sheriff of the body of Christ, right? So, uh, 
making manifest the secrets of the heart by prophesying. It's very valuable. And that's really the church you should desire, right? Lord, I, I, want, uh, I want the secrets of my heart to be revealed. Not to everybody, right? We don't want everybody to know everything I've been thinking because that would be scary, right? I mean, uh, if, you want, if, you, if you put everything you ever thought on Channel 5 News, right, on, at 10 o'clock, it'd be a sad day, right? I mean, because uh, there are plenty of things we all think that we never do that we, we would never do, but we still think about them, right? So uh, all the secrets of the heart shouldn't be revealed publicly, right? But that's why I believe prophesying is so helpful because I could say something and nobody in the service could know who, who I'm talking about except for you. And that's ideal because, uh, especially if I'm not pointing fingers, right? All you people with long hair, you know, you're all wrong, you know? Now, okay, now we're picking out people, right? But, uh, but there's plenty of things. If you will be sensitive and yield to the Spirit of God as He corrects you, kind of just casually right in the middle of the service, you can correct yourself and get back in line with God and nobody will ever know that she was out of line. Not even your spouse, not your significant other, not your friends, not your pastor. You can just adjust. Nobody will know it. You go on and just miss that bullet, right? Dodge that bullet. The Lord was merciful to me, right? Because he will always try to deal with you as, with as much mercy as he can. And there will come a point sometimes where mercy is no longer available, that he's got to just, you know, get up and say something as obvious as that fellow right there, right? Because... Who in the church knew I was talking about him besides me? Everybody, right? Everybody that saw him do that, right? Now, everybody probably didn't see him do it, but, but people in the back area of the church saw him doing that, being out of order. So everybody back there, all you in the back rows area, knew that he was doing that, knew I was talking about him. I didn't know I was talking about him, uh, but, the, but the Spirit of God knew that he needed to be rebuked. And so why did the Lord do that? I can guarantee you because he refuses to, to repent. How many other churches has he gone into started pushing the people out of the way and tried to demand a position? You don't demand a position in a church. You're a servant of the Most High God, just like I'm a servant of the Most High God. You go to serve, you don't go to demand. Uh, and so there's so much demanding going on in church, it's pathetic, right? Uh, we're servants. We're all servants of the Most High God. Uh, and I remember, uh, I know we've got to go, but I remember hearing stories about people that had gone to heaven. And they'll talk to people in heaven. They say, everybody here in heaven is a servant. Everybody here serves everybody else. When new people come in, we go and serve them. Uh, and it was such a service, ser, uh, servant's attitude uh, when they got to heaven. Uh, and so if you don't learn how to serve down here, you will have to learn how to serve up there. And I guarantee you that the least likely person will be teaching you how to serve because if you don't learn it here, you will learn it there, right? Uh, and so, so prophesying is just really important in the church. And you should desire it, right? You should want the Spirit of God to move to help you. Uh, and, I, and I told you about the, uh, I know we got to go. But you know that, that one person I was telling you that came up to me on a regular basis said, how'd you know I was doing that, you know? How'd you know, you know, do you have cameras, you know? How'd you know I said that? How'd you know, you, the very things you said were the very things that I said. How'd you know that? I don't, I don't know any of these things, right? I'm not trying to, to elevate me on that. I'm just telling you what the Spirit of God is doing. And then one day they quit coming to church. And, uh, you know, and it had been a while, maybe a couple of years even. I was just, just, they kind of came across my mind. I thought about it. I said, Lord, why'd they leave the church? And I've told you all this, but you remember what he said? He said, they ran out of toes. Because they kept stepping on their toes. And they quit, they, they refused to repent. So the next day I would step on the next toe. And they didn't repent on that one. So the next day I'd step on the next toe. And they didn't repent for that one. 
And then the next day I stepped on another toe. There's no more toes. So they're like, I'm out of here. Tired of having my toe stepped on. But see, what you should do is the first toe stepped on, Lord, I repent. Now you're back to no toe stepped on. I got no toes stepped on, right? But see, if you don't repent, that first toe is still throbbing. I step on the next one. Now you got two throbbing toes, right? And, then you, and you don't repent. Now you got three st- uh, toes throbbing. Throbbing toes hurt, don't they, right? And so when you run out of toes, you're like, I'm out of here. Now, see, they'll, they'll, now, that, that's one of the funniest things the Lord's ever told me. They, they ran out of toes, right? That's just, isn't that funny? It's the funniest thing I've ever I mean, it's the funniest thing. That, but see, they're going to stand before the Lord. The Lord's going to go, hey, come here. Let me see your toes. They'll be like, what are you talking about, Lord? Uh, take your shoes off. Let me see your toes. Yeah, that's why I invented the steel-toed shoes, right? See, that's the real mature Christian to wear steel-toed shoes. I'm going. I'm going in. I'm going to go in. He's stepping all my toes. He'll do it. No problem. I'm, I'm ready for it. Step on all of them. Go ahead, Pastor. Do it again. That's what a real you know, servant does, right? A real person wants to grow up in the Lord. But, you know, all you baby Christians wearing open-toed shoes, you know, you can't handle it, right, Jay? And so the Lord's going, let me see your toes. Okay, Lord, this is really uncomfortable, but here, you know, yeah, see, they're all swollen. You know why they're swollen? Why, Lord, why? Because you won't repent. Pastor Chip, come here. Did you say that? Yes, Lord. Why'd you say that? You told me to say it, Lord. Did you like what he said? No, Lord, I didn't like what he said at all. That's toe number one, you know, and he'll go through all the 10 toes, right? I mean, it may take 10 years to go through them, right? Because the Lord's not, he's not in any hurry, right? But they ran out of toes, so they left. Now, isn't that the funniest thing? I mean, that's still the, it's still the funniest thing, you know. When I get to heaven, be like, hey, let me see your toes. They'll be like, what's wrong with you, right? Uh, and um, now, see, they don't know. I've never told them that story. And, and, you know, if you're watching tonight, I don't know if you're watching tonight, but and, and the Spirit of God speaks to you, call me. We, we'll let you repent, come back to church, you know, be all right. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I ain't got nothing against anybody, you know. Uh, but see, if the Lord says to say it, I'm going to say it. Because if he tells me to say it and I don't know it's for you, that should be the greatest blessing. You should be the happiest person. The Lord just called me out, corrected me. I get to be, have more blessings today than I had yesterday. I mean, that should be a blessing, right? I, I know people are like, you're weird, you know. That's, that's not a blessing. It hurts. Why does it hurt? Nobody knows but you. You're the only one who knows that I was talking about you. I don't even know I'm talking about you. Only you and the Spirit of God know. He already knows anyway, so it's not like it's a mystery to him. Well, did you hear what he said? I've never heard that before. Uh, the Lord's not that way, right? He tells me to say it, and I say it. That's, that's generally the use of prophesying, right? It's va- it exposes the hearts of men and is valuable to your spiritual life. And if you, will, if you will desire it and yield to it, the Lord will get you all kinds of stuff cleaned out of your life. You'll be happier than you've ever been, more prosperous than you've ever been, more at peace than you've ever been. If you will allow the Spirit of God to do that for you, because here's the thing, if you all reject, now most of you don't reject it, but if you all started rejecting everything the Spirit of God said, you know what he would stop doing? He would stop telling me words to say. And we would just close the church. Because I, I can't preach and teach by my intellect. I, I don't know how to do it. I don't want, don't want to do it. That's, you know, just like, uh, you know, when we do the funerals, I'm a little uncomfortable doing the funerals because I, I've got some of the things to say, but, but, they don't need a they don't need a a preaching message, right? And so there's there's a lot of conflict there because you you're there to help people, but it's a little uncomfortable for me to do that because it's not it's not a normal service that I can just speak, you know, everything by sudden inspiration. You've got to cover certain things. You've got to comfort the family. You've got to you know, and and that's fine. It's all fine there, but it's just uh, it, it's not because there's been people who've asked me, hey, would you do my do this funeral for me? It's like no. I don't know the person. I, you know, I, I, 
I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a funeral preacher for hire, right? I mean, I just, I'm, you know, because I'm really good at it, right? Because the Spirit of God's good at it, but I'm not for hire, right? You can't hire me. I'm not going to, you know, well, you know, Sister Doodad died. Man, that's terrible. I'm not doing her funeral. I don't know her at all. I never met her before, right? Why would I do her funeral, right? I'll do it for family members and friends, you know, and, and even for you all, I'll do it for people that you know, generally speaking, but, I mean, I always reserve the right to say no if it's not, if I have nothing to say, especially, well, are they born again? I don't know. Well, what do you want me to say? I mean, I mean, you know, well, it's my neighbor. You know, they died. Were well, they born again? I don't know. Well, what would you like me to say? I don't know them, right? I mean, so don't get your feelings hurt. I'm not trying to get anybody feelings hurt. I've, every funeral I've done, I've, the Lord's been blessing to us, right? Uh, but it's different, right? It's a different, it's a different environment. And so we thank God for speaking to us and comforting us in those times, right? Uh, and so, so we'll, we'll continue on because the rest of chapter 14 starts dealing with more the prophesying and more the, the spiritual gifts. And we want to find the balance without getting either out of order in one area, which is where the Corinthians were, or getting out of balance way over here where there's no movement of God and things are dead and, 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 and um, not moving. Amen. Uh, and so we can do it, can't we? Do we love prophesying? We love prophesying. Amen. We, you should desire a church that prophesies. You, desire, you should desire a minister who prophesies, right? I don't mean thus saith the Lord prophesying. I mean how did he know that? How, how did he pick the very verse I was meditating on today, right? How did he know that I was think, had that very question in my heart all week long? And you spoke the answer just at the beginning of, well, well how, how do those things happen? Because the spirit of prophecy knows what you need, amen? Uh, and so uh, we thank God for that. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for the spirit of prophecy. We thank you that we can speak by sudden inspiration of the Lord. Uh, and say the very things, Father, that are helpful to people to hear. Because you're great and mighty and kind towards us, Father. You desire for us to repent and to grow and to change and increase, Father, each and every day. And, Father, as we choose to allow you to uh, till our soil, Father, and to break up the hard, stony places, Father, and replace them with, with hearts of flesh that are easy to be sowed into, Father, and easy to be spoken to. Uh, Father, then we can grow and increase and produce much fruit on your behalf and for your glory. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. We thank the Lord for the spirit of prophecy. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, there's been plenty of times when I've had people, you know, same service, uh, and, and one person come up and say, you know, that thing that you said there, that, that helped me more than anything else. And somebody come up here and say something totally different that I said. They said, that thing was, was, the, was uh, so helpful to me. Well, they heard the same service, right? Same sermon. But one part was really important for one person, but another part was really important for another person. And that's the Spirit of God moving, right? And that's a normal thing, right? That should be things, you know, hey, do you, you, know, you like that one verse? I didn't even hear him say that verse. What about this verse over here? I didn't hear him say that one, though. Uh, well, why is that? Because the thing that you need is the thing that you need. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared. We just call the offering blessed. And, and uh, we've not updated the uh, sign there, but uh, we're about to get the, our church building paid for here. So we're getting really close. And um, we'll get that updated as soon as we can there, let you know where we're at. Uh, and the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and so, um, uh, well, we'll give you an update uh, about the other building here at some point in time. So, don't forget, uh, uh, Ladies Fellowship, Saturday, 11 o'clock at Miss Nancy's house. Y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and you're dismissed. <laughs>